Section 25 of Incidents of Travel in Central America, Chiapas, and Yucatan, Volume 1, by John Lloyd Steffens. This LibriVox recording is in the public domain. Recording by Sue Anderson. The whole of the next morning I devoted to making inquiries on the subject of the canal route. More is known of it in the United States than in Nicaragua. I did not find one man who had been to the port of San Juan, or even who knew Mr. Bailey's terminating point on the lake of Nicaragua. I was obliged to send for my old guide, and after a noonday dinner started for the lake. The town consisted of a large collection of straggling houses without a single object of interest. Though the richest state in the Confederacy in natural gifts, the population is the most miserable. Passing through the suburbs, very soon we entered the woods and rode under a beautiful shade. We met no one. Before reaching the lake, we heard the waves breaking upon the shore like the waves of the sea, and when we emerged from the woods, the view before us was grand. On one side, no land was visible. A strong north wind was sweeping over the lake, and its surface was violently agitated. The waves rolled and broke upon the shore with solemn majesty, and opposite, in the center of the lake, were the islands of Isola and Madeira, with giant volcanoes rising as if to scale the heavens. The great volcano of Omotepeque reminded me of Mount Etna, rising like the pride of Sicily from the water's edge, a smooth, unbroken cone, to the height of nearly six thousand feet we rode for an hour along the shore and so near the water that we were wetted by the spray the bank was all wooded and in one place on a little clearing by the side of a stream was a hut occupied by a mulatto the view from which princes might envy further on we passed some women washing and at a distance of a league and a half reached the river Las Lajas, according to Mr. Bailey's survey, the terminating point on the lake. A flock of wild fowl were sitting on the water, and long-legged birds with wings outstretched were walking on the shore. I had now examined, as well as circumstances would permit, the canal route from the Pacific to the lake of Nicaragua. A direction had been given to my investigations by getting on the track of Mr. Bailey's survey, but I should be able to communicate nothing if it were not for Mr. Bailey himself, whom I afterward met at Granada. This gentleman is a half-pay officer in the British Navy. Two years before, he was employed by the Government of Central America to make a survey of this canal route, and he had completed all except the survey of an unimportant part of the river san juan when the revolution broke out the states declared their independence of the general government and disclaimed all liability for its debts mr bailey had given his time and labor and when i saw him had sent his son to make a last appeal to the shadow of the federal government but before he reached the capital this government was utterly annihilated and Mr. Bailey remains with no reward for his arduous services but the satisfaction of having been a pioneer 
in a noble work. On my arrival at Granada, he laid before me all his maps and drawings, with liberty to make what use of them I pleased. I passed an entire day in taking notes and memoranda, and receiving explanations, and the result of the whole is as follows. The measurements began on the side of the Pacific Ocean, and were carried over to the lake of Nicaragua. The chain was twenty-five varas in length, each vara being thirty-two and a half inches English. The result of the whole is as follows. The length from the Pacific to the lake of Nicaragua is twenty-eight thousand three hundred sixty-five and two-thirds yards, or fifteen and two-thirds miles. The sum of the ascents is 1,047 feet, 5.45 inches. The sum of the descents is 919 feet, 2.4 inches. The difference is the height of the lake above the Pacific Ocean at low water, 128 feet, 3.05 inches. We now come to the communication with the Atlantic by means of the Lake of Nicaragua, and the river San Juan. The lake is 95 miles long, in its broadest part about 30, and averages, according to Mr. Bailey's soundings, 15 fathoms of water. The length of the river by measurement with all its windings from the mouth of the lake to the sea is 79 miles. There are no cataracts or falls. All the obstructions are from rapids and it is at all times navigable both up and down for piraguas drawing from three to four feet of water from the lake to the river of los savalos about eighteen miles the depth is from two to four fathoms here commence the rapids of toros which extend one mile with water from one and a half to two fathoms the river is then clear for four miles, with an average depth of from two to four fathoms. Then come the rapids of the old castle, but little more than half a mile in extent, with water from two to four fathoms. The river is clear again for about two miles, with water from two and a half to five fathoms, where begin the rapids of Mico and Las Balas, connected and running into each other and both together not more than a mile, with water from one to three fathoms. Then the river is clear one mile and a half to the rapids of Machuca, which extend a mile and are the worst of all, the water being more broken from running over a broken, rocky bottom. The river then runs clear and without any obstruction for ten miles, with water from two to seven fathoms, to the river San Carlos, and then eleven miles, with some islands interspersed, with water from one to six fathoms, to the river Serapequea, the measurements of one fathom being about the points or bends, where there is an accumulation of sand and mud. It then continues seven miles clear, with water from two to five fathoms, to the Rio Colorado. The river Colorado runs out of the San Juan in another direction into the Atlantic. The loss to the latter, according to measurement taken in the month of May, 1839, was 28,178 cubic yards of water per minute, 
and in the month of july of the same year during the rising of the waters it was eighty five thousand eight hundred and forty yards per minute which immense body might be saved to the san juan by damming up the mouth of the river colorado from this point there are thirteen miles with soundings of from three to eight fathoms the bottom is of sand and mud and there are many small islands and aggregations of sand without trees very easily cleared away the last thirteen miles might be reduced to ten by restoring the river to its old channel which has been filled up by collections at points of drifted matter an old master of a piragua told mr b that within his memory trees grew half a mile back the soundings were all taken with the plotting scale when the river was low and the port of san juan though small mr bailey considers unexceptionable the foregoing memoranda were placed in the hands of my friend mr horatio allen now engaged as engineer on our croton aqueduct who has kindly prepared from them the plan opposite i ought perhaps to remark for the benefit of those who are not familiar with such plans that in order to bring the profile of the country within a small compass the vertical lines which represent elevations and depressions are on a scale many times greater than the base lines or horizontal distances of the former the scale is one thousand feet and of the latter it is twenty miles to the inch this of course gives a distorted view of the country but to preserve the relative proportions it would be necessary for the base line in the plan to be one thousand times longer the whole length of the canal from the lake of nicaragua to the pacific is fifteen and two-thirds miles according to the plan in the first eight miles from the lake but one lock is necessary in the next mile sixty-four feet of lockage are required in the next three miles there are about two of deep cutting and one of tunnel and then a descent of two hundred feet in three miles by lockage to the pacific thus far of the canal across the isthmus the lake of nicaragua is navigable for ships of the largest class down to the mouth of the river san juan this river has an average fall of one and six sevenths feet per mile to the atlantic if the bed of the river cannot be cleared out a communication can be made either by lock and dam or by a canal along the bank of the river the latter would be more expensive but on account of the heavy floods of the rainy season it is preferable i am authorized to state that the physical obstructions of the country present no impediment to the accomplishment of this work a canal large enough for the passage of boats of the usual size could be made at a trifling expense a tunnel of the length required is not considered a great work in the united states according to the plan of the chesapeake and ohio canal a tunnel is contemplated upward of four miles in length the sole difficulty is the same which would exist in any route in any other region of country that is the great dimensions of the excavation required for a ship canal the data here given are of course insufficient for great accuracy 
but I present a rough estimate of the cost of this work, furnished me with the plan. It is predicated upon the usual contract prices in the United States, and I think I am safe in saying that the cheapness of labor in Nicaragua would equalize any advantages and facilities that exist here. The estimate is, from the lake to the east end of the tunnel, from eight million to ten million dollars descent to the pacific two million to three million dollars from the lake to the atlantic by canal along the bank of the river ten to twelve million dollars total twenty to twenty five million which is but about the sum contemplated as the cost of our enlarged erie canal the idea of a communication between the atlantic and pacific is not new Columbus wore out the last days of his checkered life in searching for a natural passage, and the vastness and sublimity of the enterprise suited the daring imagination of the early Spaniards. From the formation of the continent and the falling off in height of the range of the Andes, it has ever since engaged the attention of reflecting men. Even during the death-like sleep of Spanish dominion, a survey was made under the direction of the captain-general but the documents remained buried in the archives of guatemala until the emancipation of the colonies when they were procured and published by mr thompson who visited that country under a commission from the british government in eighteen twenty five an envoy extraordinary from the new republic of central america called to it the special attention of our government requesting our cooperation in preference to that of any other nation and proposed by means of a treaty quotes, effectually to secure its advantages to the two nations a charge d'affaires was appointed by our government who was especially instructed to assure the government of central america of the deep interest taken by that of the united states in the execution of an undertaking quotes, so highly calculated to diffuse an extensive influence on the affairs of mankind and to investigate with the greatest care the facilities offered by the route and to remit the information to the united states unfortunately being far removed from the capital none of our diplomatic agents ever visited the spot but in 1826, as appears by documents accompanying the report of a committee of the House of Representatives on a memorial, quotes, praying the aid of the government of the United States in procuring the construction of a ship, channel, or navigable canal across the isthmus between North and South America, end quotes, a contract was made by the government of Central America with the agent of a New York company under the name style and designation of the central american and united states atlantic and pacific canal company the names of dewitt clinton and others of the most distinguished men of that day appear as associates but the scheme fell through in eighteen thirty the government of central america made another contract with a society of the netherlands under the special patronage of the king of holland who embarked in it a large amount of his private fortune but owing to the difficulties between holland and belgium and the separation of the two countries this also fell through 
on the third of march eighteen thirty five a resolution passed the senate of the united states quotes, that the president be requested to consider the expediency of opening negotiations with the governments of other nations and particularly with the governments of central america and granada for the purpose of effectually protecting by suitable treaty stipulations with them such individuals or companies as may undertake to open a communication between the atlantic and pacific oceans by the construction of a ship canal across the isthmus which connects north and south america and of securing forever by such stipulations the free and equal right of navigating such canal to all nations on the payment of such reasonable tolls as may be established to compensate the capitalists who may engage in such undertaking and complete the work under this resolution a special agent was appointed by general jackson who was instructed to proceed without delay by the most direct route to port san juan ascend the river san juan to the lake of nicaragua and thence by the contemplated route of communication by canal or railroad to the pacific ocean after having completed an examination of the route of the canal he was directed to repair to guatemala the capital of that republic and with the aid of mr de witt the charge d'affaires of the united states procure all such public documents connected with the subject as might be had and especially copies of all such laws as may have been passed to incorporate companies to carry into effect the undertakings of any convention or conventions that may have been entered into with a foreign power upon the subject and of any plans surveys or estimates in relation to it from guatemala he was directed to proceed to panama and make observations and inquiries relative to the proposed connection of the two oceans at that point unfortunately from the difficulty of procuring a conveyance to the river san juan the agent went to panama first from adverse circumstances never reached nicaragua and died on his return to this country before he reached washington but from his imperfect report it appears to be the result of his observations that a ship canal was not practicable across the isthmus of panama it is therefore valuable as turning attention which was before divided between the two routes exclusively to that by the lake of nicaragua in regard to this route much has been written many speculations and even estimates of the cost of constructing the canal have been made but the actual knowledge on the subject has been very limited in fact the foregoing notes from mr bailey's survey are the most reliable data that have ever been published i can but hope that the same liberal spirit which prompted the sending out of an agent may induce our government to procure from mr bailey and give to the world the whole of his maps and drawings as yet the subject of this communication has not taken any strong hold upon the public mind it will be discussed frowned upon sneered at and condemned as visionary and impracticable 
many in established businesses will oppose it as deranging the course of their trade capitalists will not risk their money in an unsettled and revolutionary country the pioneers will be denounced and ridiculed as clinton was when he staked his political fortunes upon the big ditch that was to connect the hudson with lake erie but if the peace of europe be not disturbed i am persuaded that the time is not far distant when the attention of the whole civilized and mercantile world will be directed toward it and steamboats will give the first impulse in less than a year english mailboats will be steaming to cuba jamaica and the principal ports of spanish america touching once a month at san juan and panama to men of leisure and fortune jaded with rambling over the ruins of the old world a new country will be opened after a journey on the nile a day at petra and a bath in the euphrates english and american travelers will be bitten by mosquitoes on the lake of nicaragua and drink champagne and burton ale on the desolate shores of san juan on the pacific the random remarks of the traveler for amusement and the observations of careful and scientific men will be brought together a mass of knowledge will be accumulated and made public and in my opinion the two oceans will be united in regard to the advantages of this work i shall not go into any details i will remark however that on one point there exists a great and very general error in the documents submitted to congress before referred to it is stated that quotes, the trade of the united states and of europe with china japan and the indian archipelago will be facilitated and increased by reason of shortening the distance above four thousand miles and in that usually correct work the modern traveller it is stated that from europe quotes, the distance to india and china would be shortened by more than ten thousand miles but by measurement on the globe the distance from europe to india and china will not be shortened at all this is so contrary to the general impression that i have some hesitation in making the assertion but it is a point on which the reader may satisfy himself by referring to the globe the trade of europe with india and canton then will not necessarily pass through this channel from any saving of distance but from conversations with masters of vessels and other practical men i am induced to believe that by reason of more favorable latitudes for winds and currents it will be considered preferable to the passage by the cape of good hope at all events all the trade of europe with the western coast of the pacific and the polynesian islands and all her whale fishing and all the trade of the united states with the pacific without the exception of a single vessel would pass through it the amount of saving on which in time interest of money navigating expenses and insurance by avoiding the stormy passage around cape horn i have no data for calculating on broad grounds this work has been well characterized as quotes, the mightiest event in favor of the peaceful intercourse of nations which the physical circumstances of the globe present to the enterprise of man End quote. 
it will compose the distracted country of central america turn the sword which is now drenching it with blood into a pruning hook remove the prejudices of the inhabitants by bringing them into close connection with people of every nation furnish them with a motive and a reward for industry and inspire them with a taste for making money which after all opprobrious as it is sometimes considered does more to civilize and keep the world at peace than any other influence whatever a great city will grow up in the heart of the country with streams issuing from it fertilizing as they roll into the interior her magnificent mountains and valleys now weeping in desolation and waste will smile and be glad the commerce of the world will be changed the barren region of tierra del fuego be forgotten patagonia become a land of fable and cape horn live only in the recollection of sailors and insurers steamboats will go smoking along the rich coasts of chile peru ecuador granada guatemala california our own oregon territory and the russian possessions on the borders of bering straits new markets will be opened for products of agriculture and manufactures and the intercourse and communion of numerous and immense bodies of the human race will assimilate and improve the character of nations the whole world is interested in this work i would not speak of it with sectional or even national feeling but if europe is indifferent it would be glory surpassing the conquest of kingdoms to make this greatest enterprise ever attempted by human force entirely our own work nay more to make it as it was once attempted entirely the work of our city for it is to furnish a new field for the action of that tremendous power which first brought into being under our own eyes is now changing the face of the whole moral social and political world is it too much to hope that in honor of services poorly paid but never forgotten a steamboat bearing the glorious name of fulton may start from the spot where he made his first experiment and open the great highway of nations to the pacific ocean thursday february twenty seventh at three o'clock in the morning we left the yard of the licenciado the inhabitants of the town were still sleeping at daylight we passed a village where before the door of one of the houses a traveller was making preparation to set out on a journey we accosted him and he said he would overtake us on the road at eight o'clock we reached a house where we stopped to breakfast the hospitality of central america is in the country and in the villages here i never knew it to fail the traveller may stop where he pleases and have house fire and water free paying only for the articles which he consumes we had milk in abundance and the charge was six cents before we resumed our journey the traveller whom we had passed at the last village arrived and after he had taken chocolate we all started together he was a merchant on his way to leon accoutred in the style of the country with pistols sword spatterdashes and spurs and as he was then suffering from fever and ague wore a heavy woolen poncho 
a striped cotton pocket handkerchief around his head and over it two straw hats one inside of the other a young man mounted and armed with a gun was driving a cargo mule and three mozos with machetes followed on foot the whole of this region along the coast of the pacific is called the tierra caliente at half past two after a desperately hot and dusty ride without any water we reached a hacienda the name of which i have lost it was built of poles and plastered with mud the major-domo was a white man in bad health but very obliging who lived by selling occasionally a fowl or a few eggs to a traveller and corn and water for mules there were no more of those beautiful streams which had given such a charm to my journey in costa rica the earth was parched water was a luxury sold for money there was a well on the hacienda and i paid two cents apiece for our mules to drink there was a bedstead in the hut at four o'clock i lay down for a few moments rest and did not wake till five the next morning on a line with the head of my bed was a long log squared and hollowed out with a broad lid on the top and secured by a lock and key containing the corn and household valuables and on the top of it were sleeping a woman rather yellow and a little girl i took chocolate and in a few minutes was in the saddle very soon we came in sight of the highlands of boambacho a high dark range of mountains behind which stood granada which in half an hour we entered built by those hardy adventurers who conquered america even yet it is a monument worthy of their fame the houses are of stone large and spacious with balconies to the windows of turned wood and projecting roofs with pendant ornaments of wood curiously carved i rode to the house of don federico derbyshire to whom i had a letter from friends in new york he had gone to the united states but his clerk a young englishman offered me the house gave me a room and in a few moments my travelling clothes were off and i was in the street my first visit was to mr bailey who lived nearly opposite with an english lady whose husband had died two years before and who besides carrying on his business received into her house the few englishmen or foreigners whom chance brought to that place my appearance at granada created surprise and i was congratulated upon my liberation or escape from prison news had reached there that i had been arrested i do not know for what and was in prison in san salvador and as all news has a party bias it was told as another of the outrages of general morazan the house of this lady was a comfort to a battered traveller i could have remained there a month but unfortunately i heard news which did not allow me much time for rest the black clouds which hung over the political horizon had burst and civil war had broken out anew the troops of nicaragua fourteen hundred strong had marched into honduras and uniting with those of the latter state had routed with great slaughter the troops of morazan stationed at tegucigalpa the latter consisted of but four hundred and fifty men 
under the command of general cabanes and the records of civil wars among christian people nowhere present a bloodier page no quarter was given or asked after the battle fourteen officers were shot in cold blood and not a single prisoner lived as a monument of mercy cabanes fighting desperately escaped colonel galindo to whom i have before referred as having visited the ruins of copan known both in this country and in europe for his investigation of the antiquities of that country and to whom i had a letter of introduction from mr forsyth was murdered after the battle in attempting to escape with two dragoons and a servant boy he passed through an indian village was recognized and they were all murdered with machetes a disgraceful quarrel ensued between quejanos and ferreira the leaders of the nicaragua and honduras troops for the paltry spoils and the former got ferreira into his power and for twenty-four hours had him under sentence to be shot afterward the matter was accommodated and the nicaraguans returned to leon in triumph with three hundred and fifty muskets several stands of colors and as a proof of the way in which they had done their work without a single prisoner at san salvador there had been an ominous movement general morazan had resigned his office of chief of the state retained command of the army and sent his wife and family to chile the crisis was at hand the notes of war sounded fearfully and it was all important for the prosecution of my ultimate designs and for my personal safety to reach guatemala while yet the road was open i would have gone on immediately but felt that i might exert myself too far and break down at an awkward place in the afternoon in company with mr bailey and mr wood i walked down to the lake at the foot of the street by which we entered built out into the lake was an old fort dismantled and overgrown with bushes and trees a relic of the daring spaniards who first drove the indians from the lake probably the very fortress that cordova built and in its ruins beautifully picturesque under the walls and within the shade of the fort and trees growing near it the indian women of granada were washing garments of every color were hanging on the bushes to dry and waving in the wind women were wading out with their water jars passing beyond the breakers to obtain it clear of sand men were swimming and servants were bringing horses and mules to drink altogether presenting a beautifully animated picture there were no boats on the water but about half a dozen piraguas the largest of which was forty feet long and drew three feet of water were lying on the shore end of section twenty five end of volume one of incidents of travel in central america chiapas and yucatan by john lloyd steffens